Thanks for downloading this episode of Updating E-Commerce, a podcast where I talk to leaders and solution providers in e-commerce about current trends, innovation, and news in the industry. I'm Dylan Gray, a founder of Boone, a startup combining state-of-the-art AI with psychology research to deliver a new, engaging shopping experience, personalized product recommendations, and data-driven insights. Today, we're joined by Tom Parnell. In his e-commerce career to date, Tom has delivered phenomenal results, from increasing year-on-year revenue by 160% at Emmet to revitalizing email marketing at Derek Rose, resulting in 100% channel growth. Tom has led the e-commerce teams at Derek Rose, Oliver Spencer, Sass and Bell, and currently at luxury brand Asprey, where he overcame the difficulties of COVID lockdown to generate 135% revenue increase in April. Tom, it's fantastic to have you on the podcast with me. Lovely to be here. So Tom, it's clear from what I know of you that you put real emphasis on data analysis and testing. In a time where data is so readily available, but many think it's so hard to understand or interact with, do you think, or do you have any tips on how to get the most value out of the data you already have, or how to choose the best data to collect in the first place? Uh, I think it's a great question. Um, and I think, yeah, the, the more kind of abundant data becomes uh, and, and the more sort of, you know, there are these stories, um, whether it's stories in the, in the in the press or on LinkedIn or whatever, stories about um, using data, it's very easy to fetishize data and analysis for its own sake. Um, and, you know, there, there are all these stories about um, we changed the color of our call to action button and we drove this huge revenue increase whatever um, those kind of stories they're kind of double-edged because um, obviously it's great that people increasingly understand that conversion rate optimization can really add value and it's not just sort of some geeky um, sideline but it's dangerous because it can create the expectation I think um, in business owners who maybe aren't that technical um, that we can do that too um, and I think often in a, in a smaller business, the challenge is, as you kind of imply, is, is sort of understanding what's realistic with the data sets um, and the volumes that you've got in your business. Um, because, yeah, you're going to have a pretty large business with high volumes before changing the colour of your button is going to make that much difference to your revenue. Um, so I think it's about kind of starting somewhere pragmatic um, and, and somewhere sort of simple. Um, and say you've recently joined a new business, um, you also kind of have that job of, of sort of orientating not only yourself, but also orientating the whole business around this way of working. Um, and what I try and do, I think I try and combine the kind of micro elements with the macro elements um, and sort of start off by looking at analytics just very, very broadly and looking at how the kind of micro conversions on the site are performing, how, what percentage of uh, visitors are getting from the home page to the product listing page, what percentage from the product listing page to a product listing, what percentage are adding to bag, what percentage are um, finishing uh, converting. And then you can sort of look at as look at those percentages just sort of at, at a really high level and see where does it look like the strengths and weaknesses lie. Um, and that just helps you to kind of um, orientate yourself and, and see where you should focus because you can you could obviously analyze pretty much anything. Um, if you start at that top level and then you say maybe it looks like we've got a problem around checkout, um, then you can deploy the more detailed tools, the micro tools, um, things like Hotjar. Hotjar is fantastic and very, very cheap um, to 
um, run polls, surveys, heat maps, just asking your customers, um, that can be a super powerful um, starting point. Um, and also some of these tools make it very um, much easier for you to say, take a take a case to your to the, to the owner of the business and say, here's, here's kind of the evidence we've amassed. Um, and here's what um, I propose to do about it. Um, and sort of, I suppose, to illustrate this new way of working this kind of um, this analyze hypothesize test model. Um, and if you can find a really simple, um, sort of easily relatable um, place to start that everyone in the business can kind of understand, that's really useful, I think, just sort of politically and internally in terms of helping people to understand how that process works. Yeah, that's really interesting, Tom. Thank you. You've also had a huge amount of experience working in quite a different range of retail industries. Now, working at a luxury brand, are there any specific considerations that you have needed to take into account when choosing new technology for the website? Um, yeah, I think um, the biggest prob the biggest consideration is probably just the volume, um, because um, yeah, as, as you mentioned, I've I've worked in a range of places and and where I was before Asprey, um, uh, a giftware brand called Sasson Bell. Um, that was a completely the, the opposite end of the spectrum in a way from Asprey. Um, if people don't know Asprey well, Asprey is at the absolute extreme end of the of the value. Um, so you know it's incredibly high value, low volume business. We have customers spending literally hundreds of thousands of pounds in a in a single transaction, um, and that that means that kind of you have far far lower numbers of transactions to the same revenue. Um, and that changes the calculus, I guess, of your decision making when you're um, when, when you're looking at investments um, in in tech or in anything really, um, because I guess I guess somewhere like Asprey, because you've got so um, you you have far fewer customers, you can still afford to do things manually. That in a business like Sass and Bell, you just couldn't. You couldn't begin to imagine kind of doing certain things. Um, sort of in a bespoke way because the volume is just far too high and the value of each individual customer um, monetarily is much lower. Um, and so you end up in a business, a volume business, you end up looking at lots of um, sort of automation tools and you know, machine learning, those kind of things, just to just to cope with scaling. Whereas somewhere which is very high value, low volume, you can kind of afford to carry on being much more personalized um, in it, often, often it literally one-to-one -one personalized um, because you don't have that volume to cope with. And also you've got the fact that a single customer's purchase could pay for multiple staff's annual salary. So that really changes the calculus massively. Um, and that huge premium on identifying and nurturing those ultra high net worth individuals, that means that kind of you're going to emphasize, you know, you, your, your, your budget for, for hire hires in say customer service or sort of um, the person the people who are manning manning your live chat or whatever it is um, you're going to justify investing far more heavily there and perhaps less heavily in the sort of automations I mean you certainly wouldn't be deploying chatbots on um, on a customer who might spend a few hundred thousand pounds so yeah. that that's sort of one I guess really obvious um, sort of um, consideration um, and I guess the flip side of it is that because you've got that lower volume of transactions, lower volume of um, of conversions, you you just can't 
so much depend on kind of very much algorithmic data-driven tools um, because often they don't have the volume um, to learn quickly. So you kind of, you can't iterate as quickly based on pure data and you end up taking, you know, if, if, there's, a, if there's a tool that you've used you, you might use to sort of automate your merchandising, um, sort of category merchandising um, that relies on, you know, understanding which products convert more than others. You just, it's going to take that tool a hell of a lot longer to to accumulate enough data to be um, sort of making statistically significant um, merchandising recommendations on a low volume business. Sure. It's a really interesting problem, actually. It's, it's, it's quite unique uh, for uh, luxury brands yeah I suppose. yeah i think it is and uh, yeah and you're and you're obviously you've got that situation i suppose where you might even have a situation where you might have a tool that you you were fairly confident or you've shown um via testing could deliver a commercial um uplift but nevertheless the brand doesn't you know it doesn't fit with the brand's values for whatever reason and so it might be that your very commercially um, valid approach would nevertheless not be appropriate. And I think the, the, the less that, you know, the more luxury a brand is, the more likely it is where likely it is that decisions are swayed, not purely by, you know, the commercial arguments. Um, and it, it's an interesting thing. I think like, um, I don't think it's a bad thing because in a luxury brand, there is that much more awareness of, of the value of the brand equity and the fact that, yeah, we might get 10% uplift from doing that on the homepage, but long-term, the erosion of the brand equity involved is not, that That doesn't justify the um, the uplift. So I think that's an interesting dynamic. It kind of makes it more, that there's, there's an extra level of complexity in, in some ways. Yeah. What do you think the greatest challenges facing e-commerce now and in the next five years? It's a, yeah, that's a very, um, very difficult question to answer, I think, because because of econ being such a broad, a broad sort of discipline. Um, so I, I get maybe I'm going to answer it with regard to small sort of smaller business e-commerce specifically, sure. because I guess that's my that's my area of knowledge. And I think the challenges for, you know, Amazon will be <laughs> different from the challenges for um, for Asprey obviously um and well amazon might be one of those challenges um but i think for, for small medium businesses um my experience um suggests that the biggest challenge is going to be attraction and retention of talent um within e-commerce um and, and general sort of business continuity um because the um obviously right now we're in a an exceptional period with um with covid and lockdown but um, in general, the the e-commerce job market is very very hot, um, and I don't see that changing um, at all. And so, high performers move far more frequently within e-com than they do in lots of other sort of um, uh, disciplines. So, I think in in a small, if you're the owner of a small medium business, you're you're quite likely to have a situation where your your e-com lead um, and other people in the e-com team are kind of are moving frequently um, and you, you, you're sort of prepared that you're going to lose your your current leader you know in a question of you know a couple two three years perhaps mm. um, and often in a small business that your your e-com lead may be you know very much depended upon as the center of knowledge for how lots of things work 
and how lots of the strategy um, is configured. And I think in lots of the lots of businesses of this size, um, it, it's really tough. The, the leadership ne isn't necessarily particularly technically savvy. <clears throat> and if you're faced with that situation where, where you're kind of you're losing the person that you depend on for your strategy, for your kind of understanding of ecom, um, it's it's a real challenge, and it's really really hard for you then to hire someone when to replace to replace um, the, the the person you're losing because it's not your discipline. Um, yeah. And I think obviously in a bigger business you've got larger teams, and you can kind of um, you can cope much better with that sort of that churn. But where the teams are really small, it could be super disruptive. Um, and obviously, I think it's really challenging when you've got. I guess digital leadership roles in a small organization, they demand, they're highly demanding in terms of management and comm skills, but they're also highly demanding in terms of analytics and technical project management skills and so on. And the Venn diagram there doesn't have a huge overlap. It's not easy to be recruiting yeah. somebody who has those qualities every two, three years and always, you know, hitting the bullseye. Um, and I think like that's, I don't see that becoming easier um for small medium businesses and i think you know it's it's one of the things that as a as an owner or md or whatever it, i would not like to be faced with that that prospect of the churn there it's a really interesting answer i didn't expect that at all but yeah really really valid what have you seen in e-commerce recently that has most impressed you <clears throat> um i i guess I, i'm kind of i'm often impressed by um by kind of unglamorous things um, so, um, I, I'm not, I don't sort of have a particularly sort of, um, whizzy new tech kind of answer, but, um, I, I, I'm quite impressed by, um, the, the sort of, I guess the economics of, um, of some of the headless, um, builds, econ builds that I have, um, seen and heard about recently. Um, obviously headless, headless kind of headless e-com can there are a whole host of arguments for 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 that as an approach um, and I'm not really so much going to go into the technical side of it but just in terms of pure economics um, the the idea that a business could go from spending a few thousand pounds a month on its current kind of um, e-com sort of running costs to potentially running a headless build um, where I don't know they've, they've got a, a Shopify backend that's driving a front end um, which is app driven, um, and they can go from spending thousands a month to spending literally under a hundred pounds for a really, really you know from a customer perspective a really, really impressive, fast, full featured ecom site. Um, I think that's really, really impressive, and I think the um, the difference that makes to lots of businesses um, is potentially a game changer. Um, but yeah, I don't, that's that's probably not a particularly um, <laughs> a particularly exciting answer. But I think often, often in ecom and digital marketing and so on, it's that it, there the sort of flashy tech is is sort of foregrounded and um, gets all the attention. But I think often it's things that drive um, you know sort of cost savings and make new things viable that weren't affordable before that are really really impressive and interesting. And I think headless. Headless is potentially one of those things. Fantastic. Tom, it was really good to chat to you. Thanks for joining me today. It's great chatting to you too.
That was Tom Parnell of Asbury giving us a window into the unique world of high-end luxury retail. I'm Dylan Gray, a founder of Boone, a startup that uses psychology and AI to help shoppers discover great products using intelligent shopping assistance. Be sure to subscribe to catch our future episodes of Updating E-Commerce. Until next time, thanks for listening.